This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's hour number two of the program on a beautiful Saturday. Sun is out. I forgot to tell you about fan weather at the end of uh, the last segment, so I'll do it now as Joel Nelson takes over from Matt Harkins. Hello, Joel. Uh, This afternoon, just look out. You'll see sunshine high of 53. Tonight, increasing clouds, periods of rain toward dawn, high of or low of 39. Fan weather is brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Get a great deal on a newer pre-owned vehicle. Great service. You're going to find it at Sun. Thank you to our sponsors, Number One Cochrane. Go one better at Number One Cochrane. Shop Expressway. PNC Bank. Make today the day. Ireland Contracting. Visit IrelandContracting.com. And for your dining pleasure over this holiday season, go to Iron Rock Tap House in Greensburg. Come see what everyone is talking about. We've been talking about a lot of stuff here over the last hour. We'll continue to do that coming in. The Steelers are 3-7 and seven after losing to the Bengals. Man, you have to go back all the way to 2003 to find the last time they were that badly. They finished below 500. It was their last time. They, however, however, play five in the next seven against teams combined 348 win percentage. So, you may be excited about that. You may not be excited about that. You may think, well, they're just as bad as those teams. So, what would you expect? Um, we'll find out. Uh, but they want to see development, certainly, from some of the young guys on this team. 412-928-9370. Greg in Youngstown has been patient to wait. Greg, we're going to start with you this hour. How are you? Good. Hey, Bob. Hey, first off, I love the Pirates move. Finally, they're trying to win. You know, um, I think Are they? You made that conclusion out of one signing or two signings, G-Man Choi and I, Carlos Santana? I, I just think that, I think they know they have to start winning. I just I, This owner just has to know this. Unless he's an idiot. And maybe he is an idiot, for all we know. But he knows the team has to pick it up. And I love the move. Get some relievers. Get another starter, and they can compete. They get enough. I think they got enough pieces on this team. I'm not a big fan of the manager, though, but we'll see. You well, know, let, in the end. I mean, I think they've lowered the bar so low. This is a 37-year-old Carlos Santana. It's not a 27-year-old Carlos Santana. And I think he's going to be an upgrade. I do. But that's really not saying all that much from what they used at first base last year or DH for that. Yeah, I know. All right. Hey, can I talk about the Steelers real fast? Sure. Just and I'll get off. Uh, that last caller who said we're spoiled fans, he, he, that's an idiot. 12 years of not advancing to the Super Bowl. 12 years when you have Brown, Bell, and you have Ben. 12 years when you got a defense, you're overpaying. Who's to blame? Mike Tomlin, I'm sorry, Bob, you guys, get this guy a pass. We have one of the highest payrolls in football, and now we have to rebuild. But we're not rebuilding when you're spending $200 million on the payroll. So this guy's the problem. I'm sorry. I'm like, 
I mean, we haven't won anything in 12 years. Do you give this guy a pass anymore, Bob? What I'll tell you is that Mike Tomlin is here and signed, and my take on it is they're not going to force him out. So I think that's the reality of the situation. Listen, they want to be competitive every year and get in. This year has been a step backwards for that. Last year, they got in, but you knew what the result was going to be, and that's the problem. Uh, when they've had postseason opportunities, they have not done very well. In fact, they've Bob, 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 your opinion. I don't care about their opinion. What is your opinion? I know you. My opinion, as I've said before, Greg, is that I think I think Mike's a very smart man. I think he knows a lot about football. I think he has to get better coaches. I think that's where the problem lies. You have to go out and you have to bring in guys who've had done it and, and had success doing it. Guys with different visions, you know. Um, and the fact that if you look at the offensive coaching staff here, again, all due respect to them because they've put their time in, but none of them have had success at this level at all. Very few of them well, those, have. Co- those coaches stink. Those offensive coaches, come on, be straight. They stink. I, I, I saw their pedigree. They're horrible. And that guy was right, that, that guy from Oakland. He's right. Those offensive coordinators wouldn't even be coaching a high school team. They're well, that that's what I'm saying, Greg. They need to have better people in place. And, and I think that's the way they're going to – this offseason, you will see changes there. So um, I know. Just one more thing. Look at San Francisco. Their head coach is an offensive coordinator, right? Don't you think we need to get an offensive coordinator as a head coach? Don't you think that's the way – No, I think, you need, I think you need an offensive coordinator who's a good offensive coordinator. It makes a big difference but if you, you are. those guys. But you can't keep them. You, if you get one, you're going to lose them as a head coach. Well, that's you fine, too. I don't care. I would rather bring one guy like that in who's who's going to maybe leave after two years and than not have anyone who can do the job. So that's fine with me. But I'd go out and find the best offensive mind I could find. Well, maybe they should have you hire the guy because these idiots can't hire the right guy. So, okay, I'll let you go. All right, Greg. Have a good day at 412-928-9370. But, um, uh, see, Greg surprised me. I thought he was going to really have a hard time with this pirate because he's normally really railing about them too. Uh, I'm just not buying all of this. Yeah, is it an improvement? Sure. Carlos Santana is a guy who can hit 15 to 20 home runs. He can. He's he's very good with plate awareness. Uh, he could be a good D. I get all that. That's fine. But what does that really do at age 37 to me? It seems to me it's a typical kind of pirate signing. Yes, they've given him a little bit more than they normally do. It's 6.7 million dollars. And they need, you know, grown-ups in in the uh, room. They need and someone who has that ability. And he does. I get all that, but man, if that's going to be your prize off-season signing, it's not all that much. They they need a lot of things. I'd I'd prefer watching young kids play, and just see what they can do. I know that doesn't go with their you know strategy of of you know getting through the minors and learning as much as you can. But you know, at some point. They threw O'Neill Cruz in there this year, and they stuck with him, which I'm glad. They did the same with Castro. They stuck with him. I'm glad. That's what you need to do more of. You know, uh, Brian Hayes, I, 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 to me, he took a step backwards. Um, is Suwinski the answer in left field? I hope so, and I hope they keep playing him. You know, I, I'd rather see that than some 35-year-old come in, 37-year-old, and take a position when I know he's not going to be around for more than one year. That's just my take. So, what do you say, Counselor, who joins us on the air right now? Hello, Counselor. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Did you have a nice Thanksgiving? Very nice and quiet. Appreciate it. I hope you did, too. Yep. Uh, anyway, Bob, my comment first on the Pirates. <laughs> it's a Band-Aid, and that's all it is. Um, 
I hate to say this. I my MLB app had the free agent kind of outfielders. They call them silver sluggers too, but be that as it may. And I looked on the list, and these guys are hitting 290 or 300 plus 100 runs batted in, plus 25, 20 to 25 home runs. And I said, and they are not 37 years old. And I said, there's no way any of these people are going to get signed because it's 15 million plus at the bare minimum. And that's the point. If you want somebody in that outfield besides Brian Reynolds, who can field the position and hit and drive in runs, you're not going to get it with $6.7 million. At, at, well, you'll get it at 37 years old, but he's not going to hit, and he hit 202 last year. So, yeah, you know, well, you know, some people don't like that. Don't even discuss batting average. I'm glad you brought it up, counselor, because 202 stinks. That's a Mendoza line. I mean, even in this division, yeah, even in this thing where everybody's home run happy, you know. No, you know. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. It's, he's had a, he's had a really good career. Is he an upgrade? Yes, but what is that actually saying? Are they going to improve from ni- from 100 losses to 94? Again, right. they've the the you know the the expectation bar is so low that. Anything is cheered, and that's not the way it should be. One other thing, Bob, on the Steelers. Last Sunday, I just – it drove me nuts, but there's nothing you can do about it. If you remember when they screwed up that punt and they were down on their six or seven or whatever, and, you know, they ran that sideways uh, screen – well, whatever, sideways screen pass, and and it just looked like – are you really trying? I know, I, I know they're trying, but it, the idea, the concept was this guy, he was never going to get out. Uh, he got like two yards or one yard. I said it was easier to hand off straight ahead drive to Najee Harris. They tried to screen or whatever you want to call it, the swing pass. And I said, are you know, like it's, it's like, well, can't you figure out something else? I mean, because it's, you can't, you, you could see it was covered. Too. I mean, you know, I understand he maybe couldn't see anything else, but it, let me say something. And I hate to be quote a trite line, but uh, Matt Canada is a dead man walking. I hate to say that. Well, I mean, how I feel. they weren't going to make a move during the season, but they will, I believe, make a move at the end of this. At least that's what I think. Uh, who knows? I mean, they, to me, to bring him back would be just not. Looking at the situation realistically, especially with regard to a young quarterback, I think there's got to be more to him. And some will defend that and say, "Well, you need the same guy so that he can continue his advancement." I don't think so. Kenny Pickett's smart enough. I think they need a better scheme. He'll get better when the scheme is better, when the offensive line is better. Those two things can yeah. be corrected in one year. Those two things can be corrected, and if they do both of those well, things, well, they've got enough draft picks in the higher round to do it. Right, that's you know? what I'm saying. So they're going to have to hit on those, and they're going to have to come in right off the bat and play. All right. Have All a right. nice day. Thanks, you too, Bye. Counselor. But, you know, in the second half, after the Steelers had that lead at halftime, um, as soon as it started, I mean, I the, you know, they got the ball in the second half, too. You got everything lining up for something there, and they go three and out. One of four straight three and outs, which included the, the interception of T.J. Watt at the 21-yard line. Uh, and as soon as Cincinnati got the ball back, again, this is where – we can talk about the offense. Everyone loves to talk and cry about the offense and complain. I get it. I get it because it's been bad. you got to score more than 20 points a game 
You do. They scored 30 this week, but it was really a tainted 30 in my view. The last one was 72 of the 131 yards they got in the second half. 70, it came on the final drive when Cincinnati had no business caring about what was going on. They were just playing prevent all the way. But the defense gave up a 79-yard drive. They gave up a 92 and a 93 and a seven-play 59-yarder, which took only three minutes, which tells you that they weren't being very effective at all. And T. Higgins, even with Jamar Chase out, was just doing whatever he wanted on either side of the field. And they also got that that screen pass to P. Ryan, which the Steelers just couldn't stop no matter what they did. They, and he was open. There were missed tackles. Spillane once missed on him. He was in for a touchdown. I mean, these are things that cannot happen for a defense that is supposed to be as elite as it's supposed to be. And they were healthy this week. There are no excuses for it. They'll be the first to tell you that. They can't allow that kind of stuff. So you got a veteran quarterback this week in Matt Ryan. He's capable if time. The one thing about him, he's a statue back there for the most part. He doesn't move too well, and that's fine. You can take advantage of that, as they did with Tom Brady, I thought. But, um, you know, he's still capable of using his mind to beat you. And the corners right now are not very good, and they're not getting the kind of production they need out of the cornerbacks. So we'll see what happens in this week, but uh, it's not going to be an easy game. And then they go to Atlanta after that. Uh, Again, a very beatable team, but on a short week going on the road again, you don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, But they are 3-7. and They own currently the 8th, 34th, and 39th pick, I believe, in the NFL draft. And if you get those, you'll create a lot of buzz about those picks and what you can do with those picks to, you know, help out the areas of need. And there are areas of need. There's no question about that for a team that I thought expected a lot more out of the season. It's just fallen completely apart from a record point of view. Interesting that the Jets bench Zach Wilson and they choose Mike White to be their starter and not Joe Flacco. Flacco will serve as the backup uh, and Zach Wilson's not even going to address. Most of this, from what I can gather, is the way that Zach Wilson has handled post-game press conferences when he doesn't take blame, he doesn't seem to care about blame other than to point it to other people. Uh, and I think Robert Sala had a you know had a moment and said, okay, fine. That's how you're going to be. You're going to sit and watch. You're going to learn. You're going to learn etiquette. You're going to learn how to handle this situation and what quarterbacks should do. But it goes to show you, as I said in the earlier segment, how difficult it is to get these quarterbacks, especially those who don't have big college resumes, to come in here and based on potential, you know, take over NFL teams. It is a whole different ballgame. Kenny Pickett had five years. That five years helped him, I think, in this first year, even though he's struggling. Just imagine if he had left after a junior season, say, uh, and didn't have two extra years, what he might have been. I think Zach Wilson's finding that out. I think Josh Rosen had that problem when he was drafted. I think there are a lot of guys who don't have the longest, you know, Trey Lance is one of those guys. He hasn't played for San Francisco. Good thing for them, they signed Garoppolo. And I give them credit for being aggressive and going out and getting McCaffrey because now they have uh, McCaffrey, they have Debo Samuel, they have uh, Ayuk, they have George Kittle. They got weapons all over the field, and they sense an opportunity with Garoppolo and I never did understand that, Joel. I don't know about you, but I never understood why they just didn't want to bring him back at all. They were looking to trade him. I know he had surgery, but he's been more than an effective quarterback. He hasn't been a star, but he hasn't been bad either. You know, so we'll see. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. Uh, we'll continue to talk about that. We'll talk about uh, whether or not Heinz Ward, James Harrison, you think they'll get the final call, at least to get to the final of the NFL Hall of Fame uh, they're both as semi-finalists, and Hines has been there repeatedly, but 
Will he get an opportunity? James Harrison in his first year. We'll talk about that and more. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back as we continue to roll along. Bob Pompiani here until 1 o'clock today. Joel Nelson is behind the glass. Taking your phone calls at 412-928-9370. Got a lot of reaction to the Pirates uh, and their signing of Carlos Santana after G-Man Choi, so two veteran guys, platoon at first base, I suspect, and DH, whatever the case may be. Scott Nelson on Twitter hits me up at Katie Pomp. He says, I like the deal since it actually addresses a need with a real player. It just can't be the last move for these players. Um, yeah, that's what it does, sure. But again, it's it's a 37-year-old. I'm going to keep coming back to that. Rob Law on Twitter says, better than Zach Collins or Will Craig, but it doesn't matter. When a declining 37-year-old first baseman is your big free agent acquisition, You've got much bigger problems. Nice to see them spend a little bit of money, though. All those seven million is peanuts in today's MLB, which he's right. And you know that's that's the problem. It is what it is. It's a six million dollar player, and in today's market, six million doesn't get you all that much. Jim Snyder on Twitter says, "Pomp, I'm with Joe Block on this one. The 200 batting average should be the Bob Euchre line. Mario Mendoza hit 215 for his career. Euchre actually hit 200." All right. Well, the fact is that Carlos Santana is uh, hitting, or last year hit 202. Again, I know people don't like to talk about, you know, that number, the batting average anymore, but they should. That means you're you're doing things. I know he can get on base with walks and other things. I get all that. Maybe I'm just being run down by all of this, you know? I get to a point where I'm just like, okay, how much this is to me some of the same stuff that we've seen from them over the years. An older guy they bring in and – you know, if things go well for him, most likely they'll trade him at the deadline. Okay, that's going to continue to be the way. At some point, though, we need to see more influx of young people into the major league lineup. And you can tell me it's, oh, they got to wait through all these, oh, go whatever. I want to see guys sooner rather than, and one thing I'll say about Ben Charrington, he does have this, um, you know, willingness to move them up quicker, which I like to see. Ed in Kennedy Township joins us right now on the Fan Hotline. What's up, Ed? How are you? Hi, Bobby. Hey, uh, was that this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, they used to play the Skins game when it was really good with Jack and Arnie and Lee yeah. and Gary Player? Yeah, you know, they were supposed to. there was a match I saw, but I can't remember where it is or who's. Uh, yeah, but it used to be this weekend, absolutely. And then they did some night golf, you might remember, out west, and they televised it. It's, it's funny. The play used to get to like 250000 and guys would just laugh at that now, and it was a big deal. When Arnie would whole shot out, you know, and, and win the money. Yeah, well, first of all, they need more personalities on the PGA Tour, I think. They need more people who you either root for or don't like, you know, bad, good. <laughs> uh, and, well, and the, the Jack, the Jack and, and Arnie rivalry is what made the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you can do it in a very responsible way, but there's no problem when you have somebody willing to, you know, like, for example, I'd love to see Greg Norman – and Rory McIlroy go one on one, you know, for some money since they both hate oh, yeah. each other right oh, now. Oh yeah, and that yeah. would be live that that would be capitalizing on a good thing, but I don't think that'll ever happen. 
Uh, closing on, I request full sacrifice from uh, Carlos Santana. Thank you. What is that again? Uh, Carlos Santana, the uh, the uh, guitarist. Uh huh. What about him? You don't know the you don't know the Santana band? No, I do. But but. Oh yeah, it's just a play on his name. Oh yeah, I'm sure he has walk up music that's Carlos Santana oriented. Why not? He has the same name. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate it. You have a nice week ahead. Let's go to Gus in Beaver County. Who joins us right now? Hey, Gus. Bona festa, Pazan, to you. Manja, manja. And, and all your family and all the listeners, that's hap, uh, happy holiday or ver, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Bob, before I talk about the pens real quick, I want to congratulate Beaver Falls, Central Valley, and the Aliquippa football teams for wonderful seasons and wish Aliquippa well in the playoffs uh, in their future. What an amazing story this Aliquippa has really become a – 15 years in a row to make it to the WPL It's incredible. Final. It's totally incredible, and they just keep on doing it, yes. Right. Now, with my Penguins now, uh, this team, you know, I, I still have a faith, and I think that we can uh, do well if we stay healthy and everything. But adding this Mike Buckley a few years ago as a goaltending coach, I always like Tristan Jory, and I think he has a lot of upside still, and I think this Michael Buckley's done a nice job with both goalies. But what really gets me with the Pens right now is this fourth line. Since Teddy Bluger has come back, I think we maybe lost one game. The penalty kill has gotten uh, tremendously better. And the other guys playing with him, Archibald and Piling, are really contributing. And Jason Zucker with Malkin. And I want to give a shout-out to, to Gino. I think the guy's really healthy, and I think his mental state of mind He's very focused on playing good hockey. I see a new Geno out there, and it's really nice to see. I think you're right on about Jason Zucker. When healthy, he is a thorn in the side of other people. He can score. He does a lot of the stuff, he and Russ, that make life easier for Malkin, which is good. And they need a strong second line if you're going to put Raquel up on the first line where he's been. But you're right. The other night, for example, in Philly, they got one goal from Crosby. The rest of it came from Archibald 1 and uh, Paling 2. I think Ryan Paling's been very good. And it's nice to have those kind of guys. But ultimately, I think still, Gus, this team will go as far as their power play takes them. When they get into short series, their power play has got to be a difference, not a reason why they lose. I agree with you on that. And, Bob, lastly, Brock McGinn might be the biggest bargain in the NHL. Uh, I think we signed Casper Kapanen may be the biggest dollars. bust in the NHL when it comes to oh, salary. My okay. goodness, he can't even get on the ice, and they get, they decided to give him two years at six million, three I each. I can't figure that one out at all. All right, Bob, all the best to you. Thanks for taking my call. All right, Let's go thanks, Gus. Well, he should be motivated if anything. You know, if you're Casper Kapanen and you're sitting around knowing now you're collecting money, but to make that decision at that pay rate, I just didn't understand it. I don't under, I still don't understand it. And I expected him to actually come in and play. I've okay. They've doubled down. They believe he's going to be good. Let's show it. You know, he's had opportunities with skilled players, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, he's turned into Ron Flockhart, which is to say, he skates around a lot and and but doesn't score. You got to do better. Sorry, uh, and they need him to. They really do because he does have a lot of talent, but he's got to show that on a regular basis. 412-928-9370. Joel, is that Michigan-Ohio State game underway? And give me an update. Yes, right now Ohio State with a 7 nothing touchdown, but Michigan's driving there inside Ohio State territory. They just landed a big play. I think they're inside the Ohio State Is 30. Blake Corum playing? The Michigan running back who 
was so good against Penn State and others. I mean, he's had almost 1,500 yards this Haven't year. gotten a good look just yet, but um, I know they've got Ronnie Bell involved. I'll give you an update on Blake Corum soon. Okay. Tonight it's Pitt and uh, Miami. APM will be on the air at 5 with a preview show prior to the network broadcast of that game, and that's a disappointing game. I thought looking at it from the beginning of the season it would come down to that game. I thought Miami was going to be so much better than they are. Uh, and they're just not. Five and six. They need a win just to get bowl eligible at this point. And Pitt, they'd like to finish nine and four. And then I ask you, Panther fans, what does that mean to you, nine and four, after what happened last season? I know your expectations were higher. Mine were coming into this season. I thought they'd have uh, a better result in a weak ACC, but it just has not happened. And so they'll try to finish with a win today and then uh, another in a bowl game coming up after that. As for Penn State, they have Michigan State at home today. And if they win, they'll go 10-2, and two, which to me is worthy of a Rose Bowl opportunity. But for that to happen, they probably need both Ohio State and Michigan to be in that playoff. They need both of those. They need a, What they need is an overtime game today between these two. And then I'm sure the committee would not drop them out of the top four, right? Joel, would you agree with that? If this was a really hard-fought game, you got two versus three, they're not going to – they dropped Tennessee after they got slaughtered by South Carolina. And I mean slaughtered, plus they lose Hendon Hooker, and they're still ranked ahead of Penn State, which I was surprised. Right? I mean, yeah. So, 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 so if they both, if it goes to let's say, a really tightly contested game today, do you think that that committee would drop either of them out of the top four? Between which game? Michigan and Ohio State. Let's say it goes to overtime. Tough game. It's really tough. I think, I think the loser does not make the playoff. Why? And I think that well, as long as everything else, like TCU, they went out. Um, How about if they don't? How about if USC loses? How about if Alabama squeaks probably in? Keeps the loser How about if Alabama alive? squeaks in? Do you th- do, I'm never going to rule that out. I think Alabama's going to make it in. I'm never going to rule that out with them. Everything has to fall in, into their, you know, into their place. But I, I just don't. I'm never going to rule that out. I just think there's something about Alabama. And, and look at, you know, I mean, they didn't exactly get blown out of the, they have two losses, but they've been, you know, you can argue that they were better in those games. I don't know. We'll see. A lot of this is subjective too. 412-928-9370. I can't wait to get to 12 teams because then this will become a moot point. We'll be talking about good matchups, uh, you know, in several weeks. We'll take more calls on the way here up until one o'clock. Again, it's 412-928-9370. Give me a shout. Hey, welcome back. Andrew Filippone's been hanging around. He, I, I think this is your second home. But before we get I have into a cot it, in the back here. I think so. You're doing fan duel, all these different things. You're wearing more hats. Your hair's going to fall out because of the pressure. You of your are hats. the leader of worn hats. Nah, but you've taken up the. I mean, you are you are pushing it at a level <laughs> that I don't think I could even keep up with. But Brian and Brookline, I know you've been waiting. So before we carry on with Andrew Hello, here, Brian. I want to get your take. What's up? Hey, guys. So I have two questions, and I'll, I'll hold that. I'll let you answer them. So the first question is, why don't they take more shots to George Pickens like they did with uh, Randy Moss in 98, let him get a pass interference call, or he catches the ball? Uh, I don't think they're playing too high every single play. So that's my first question. Is My second question is, what do you see for Kenny Pickett if he maintains the course, just does what he does this year, improves marginally, you think next year he's going to have more arm strength, be more familiar with a new offensive coordinator? I'll hold let you guys answer. Uh, Brian, I think questions. this whole situation is great for him moving into next year, but it has to come with a new offensive coordinator at the end of this year. 
and a new system and something that will schematically help him as a quarterback. Because right now I don't see much of that helping him. And when you become predictable, even though, you know, it's funny, uh, Pratt said that last week, Andrew, they're predictable. In the first half, they weren't too predictable to the point where they scored 20 points. Second half, they became predictable and a bunch of three and outs. But I think that this whole situation should help him, which is why he should never be removed from the state forward unless it's an injury. Uh, how about Canada getting so defensive the other day about the Pratt accusation that he went through every play at the start of the second half <laughs> where he went over, this is what they – this is what they had set up defensively. This is what we tried to do. I mean, if you're comfortable in your own skin, why would you even yeah, you indulge? Don't have to do that. It doesn't. You could blow that comment off now, very quickly. Now, he, and, and he was right about this. So, Pratt was at NC State when Canada was there. So, it sounds like there's some bad blood between the two, but even then, why would you yeah. get I down to his stoop level? I would down to that level. That comment just say, look, he can think what he wants. We didn't make enough plays, move on. Now, you said on Monday that you'd be stunned if Canada's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, would so, you? But he's got another year on his contract. So? Who pays it? They you think, do. Whose idea is it to get him out? The owner or the coach? I don't think we'll ever know that, but I think it's going to be probably Art putting pressure the change because he's he's done that before in the past with assistant coaches. Do you think Mike Sullivan will be their offensive coordinator next year? No, I think they'll go out and look for somebody else. I think they should. They have to. Again, that's my thought. Whether or not it's true or not, I don't know. All I know is that they need a change, and it would be hard for them to bring back this same offense after it's gone through a bunch of different looks at quarterback and, and tell me it's getting better. Um, Canada I, I, incriminated himself too. He said, "We've got a great coaching staff. We've got great plays." And we've got great players. So the coaches are good. The that's, plays are good. The players are like good. Bob and you're Nutting 27th. Saying, we have the best staff in baseball. What did he say? We're not best management best team. Best management team in all of baseball before they ever did anything. So, But if everything's great, how are you so bad? Right. I that's mean, on him. But again, the play calling is very mundane in my view. I, I thought, when I watch it, I see a lot of the same. I don't see enough well-executed screens. I don't see enough things. Even if you want to play it. Yeah. You know, um, less risk. There are plays you can create less risk, but they're still considered good plays. I haven't seen much of that. Well, he at brought all. up Canada. Brought up the fact, oh, they had two high safeties, so he ran the ball against that look. Well, then why aren't you getting more yards? If, if both of their safeties are back, how are you getting on second down, one yard, two yards? Huh? They have in in this off season they should be able to improve their offensive line and if they get a new scheme in there offensively it should help Kenny Pickett from every level mm-hmm. uh for those people who think that that's you know I don't know I still you know I'm not going to I know you're bullish on him and good for you I I I I hope he's good I hope he takes it to a level that uh will make them a competitive team and a force in the playoffs for years to come but I yeah. don't know that yet there's too much I look at the Zach Wilsons of the world the Sam Darnolds of the world the Baker Mayfields of the world and all these people who knows? Because when they came out, even Trey Lance, I'll throw him in there. Trey Lance is somebody I still don't know about, and I don't know if he – thank good they have, they, they have Garoppolo there. They yeah. wanted to get rid of him. What if they'd gotten rid of him? Then what? Who? Then they'd be screwed this year. Yeah. They wouldn't have made the McCaffrey trade. I can uh, tell you that. So, Johnson says he's open, and it's just a matter of getting Kenny Pickett to realize he's open. Tomlin says they're taking Johnson away. Pickett says – they're taking Johnson away. So who's right? 
Uh, I think they're all wrong. <laughs> I do. Number one, Deontay Johnson. Uh, the, the, I never considered him a number one guy. He's well, just, they didn't really pay him like a number one. They played. They, they paid, paid him, him like in their between. number one. Yeah, they paid him. And in they're between. acting as if that's their number one. And he's a good player to have on a team that has other good players. And I think Pickens is ultimately the guy who's now established himself. I think as the number one guy. That's I why think that's I easy think to say. if defenses are really double teaming Johnson, that's a good thing for the Steelers because that means better players are getting singled up like Pickens or Fryermuth. And they both need to have that opportunity. I also thought you got a good indication of what they're thinking last week when they had a third and forever and they ran a draw play when you don't have to do. See, that. I think that was Tomlin. I, whatever I it is, Tomlin it's the said, wrong call because pin I think him deep and let's play defense. But they couldn't play defense. That's the thing. They were they, well, were they built their a, team. To, they built their team to be defense first, Bob. But, but their secondary has given up all sorts of big. I plays. understand that. You don't have the number one guy in Jamar Chase. You don't have Joe Mixon in the second half. Who killed you? Two guys who shouldn't have killed you. P. Ryan and, and Higgins. You knew Higgins was going to be targeted a lot, and yet he could. They had nobody to stop him. I don't understand why, if you're giving them all this credit for double teaming Johnson and taking Johnson away, why weren't you able to do that with Higgins? Sure, you should have. And then that's what I don't get. Bring it down to Tyler Boyd, and if you're going to have one on one, okay. Well, right. I mean, the other guy, the the little receiver beat him for a touchdown and made a big play on the sideline, and P. Ryan, like those. I don't want to say you let those guys beat you, but you can't have Tiggins one on one with Levi Wallace or Arthur Mallette with no help. Right. And the other thing I didn't understand was I don't know if you talked to Tomlin about this. Explain to me how you praise Casey against New Orleans. We did talk about the their fact running that back gets hurt, and Spillane's in the game the entire Casey time. Only had how many snaps? Bob, that made, that made no, no sense to me. He, he was very. Um, I was surprised that he was not in the game more. He should have been. The, 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 he played every snap the week. Before. They had wide receivers and tight and ends they liked on those three Spillane. Safeties. I know. So and it didn't work at all. It normally never does. Like where are the adjustments in game there? That's a good question. They should have had those. And it led to disaster in the second half specifically. I know it's not a bad thing if they lose, but don't you think they want to? They claim they want to win every game, but man, you cannot lose to a guy who was doing pancakes on ESPN Tuesday mornings on Monday. Well, the Raiders already lost to him, and, and last is Josh week, McDaniels considered a good last, coach? No, but last week the Eagles should have lost to him. Too. I understand that, but like if they run the ball, which I expect them to do, because that makes sense a lot, Jonathan Taylor. But the, the Steelers, Steelers have done better against them. They them. have, uh, and then you pin your hopes on Matt Ryan, who's smart enough to figure out how to go down the field against that defense. So no, I. But I he get should it. be a sitting duck in that it. pocket against their pass rushers. Absolutely Matt Ryan. should be, and they should they should get a lot more pressure than they've gotten on them. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I want to get your take on college football because I've had these, especially with regard to who's going to end up in the Final Four. Because I asked Joel this, and I think I had a couple people on Twitter say there's no way that both Ohio State and Michigan end up if one of them loses. I said depends on how they lose is my response. Would mm -hmm. you agree with that? Yes. If that's a good game, how do you have – It's 10-3 right now, by the way. Ohio with, State? With the Ohio State going in, they just kicked a field goal, so they're up 10-3, yeah. Okay. So let's say that's a good game. It goes down in the fourth quarter and ends. Yep. There's no way I'm taking those two teams. The losers does not fall out of the top four for me. Does it happen for you? Uh, Probably not. It kind of depends. So I actually think if Ohio State loses at home, it's worse for them because it's a home loss. I think if Michigan loses by less than a touchdown, they can claim 
on a neutral field, they're just as good as Ohio State. So I think actually there's an easier scenario for both to get in if Ohio State wins a close game. If it's flipped, I think Ohio State's in more trouble. Okay, if Michigan loses by two touchdowns, let's say. Okay. They drop out. Who takes their place? Um, this is assuming a lot now. You have to assume TCU wins. They're going to remain there. How about if you know USC is a team that can pop in, but they got Notre Dame today, and I'm the way Notre. I'm surprised Notre Dame Notre has Dame's been a very unpredictable team for me this year. They started so badly. I, think I wonder what was them. going on, and if they do, then what? Can Alabama surface? No, I don't uh, think why, so. What do you mean, no? Because why wouldn't they? If Michigan loses big at home, and yep. if, if USC loses, and let's say TCU. I don't know what TCU is going to do. You know, they should have lost last week, I thought. Right. You don't think Alabama can creep up, given their, their no. history? You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think there's two, four, six, eight teams left. Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan, Clemson, USC, LSU, Oregon. I think those are the teams that can get in. Clemson? Yeah. Oh, please. Why? Because they're not good. That whole ACC stinks to me. There's nothing. There's nothing good about them. I'm sorry. I, I just don't believe in Clemson at all. From when I've watched enough of their games, I just don't like them. Okay, but if they're twelve, Louis and- Lale has been up, down, all around. I, don't, I just don't. I don't. I don't disagree with you. But let me ask you this question: Clemson, TCU on a neutral field. Who would you pick to win the game? TCU. Really? Yeah. Me. Yeah. You think the odds makers would agree with you on that? No, I don't think so either. No, I'm just not buying Clemson. That's all. Real quick, Carlos Santana. Yep. So this is another discussion because I, I'm they've beaten me down to the point where I look at these all the same. Thirty seven year old guy gonna be on this season. Yeah, he's an upgrade, but that's all he is. How do you look at that? Well, I think it's a shrewd move. Like I think it's a good the way that it's been portrayed, the fact that he was so bad from a batting average standpoint because he was shifted on ninety eight percent of the time. You're not going to be able to shift next year. Uh, And he hit a lot of home runs. So from that perspective, I don't mind the signing. I don't think it makes them much better, though, this year. And he's only signed for one year, which makes me think if he has a halfway decent first half of the season, they're just going to trade him. That's what I say. It's the same playbook. And that's fine. I, I think they're waving the white flag on this year. They wave Already. it on just about every year, though. That's yeah, my I know, problem. I know, Bob. How many years can you keep looking down the road and saying, eventually we'll get here? All right, let me ask you one more college football question. Let me flip it on you quick. If Georgia loses either today to Georgia Tech, they they're down 7-3. But they're going to cover. Okay, so let's say they beat Georgia Tech. Or they're not going to cover, but they're going to win. Let's say they lose to LSU in the SEC championship game. Do you take both SEC schools? LSU and Georgia? Yeah. You have to take LSU at that point. If LSU won the SEC, they're eleven and two, and they beat Georgia. They've got to get in, Bob. You can't leave the SEC champion. I'm just thinking at about home. the two losses, though. That's what I'm trying. Who to cares? Out. They'd be one of the. Would they not be one of the four best teams in America? I don't know that. I, I don't. If they beat Georgia, I guess likely they would get in. Okay, if so, TCU and USC continue. Let's say USC wins and TCU, win, I, I'd give them a lot more consideration okay, but, than I would LSU. But let's say Michigan does lose to Ohio State, so they're eleven and one. They don't win the Big Ten. Because they played Hawaii, Connecticut, and some other Scribino team in the off in, in their non conference. Right. And LSU lost to Florida State. 
I mean, I, I I respect them for losing to Florida State more than I respect Michigan for beating those three scrub yeah, teams, they lost. Bob. I, they still lost to Florida State. I get that. There's points to be gained in this by you taking on better competition. You can't tell the team that won the best conference in college just, football the and losses, beat the number one team I in America. These Who other cares? Team, if I see these other teams win out and they still have two losses, it matters to me. Okay, so let me do it one more time on you then. <laughs> if Clemson is 12-1 and one, and LSU is 11-2, and two, you'd put Clemson in over them because they only have the one loss? That's a different thing. I don't I'm like I'm just Clemson. asking you about I, that. I'll take LSU if that's the case because I don't like Clemson as much as I like LSU. How about if TCU loses today or next week and they're – Well, then they're in trouble. So what, they, they got to win. Would out. you take LSU in that situation? Yeah, I, yeah, I would because then I value the conference more so than I do the one extra loss. You know, so so, you, but you would still put Georgia in if they lost over LSU. I would. Wow, I would do that because I think that whole season has been terrific so far, and unless they, uh, you know, unless they get pounded, but then again, what happened to Tennessee? They dropped this week, and they're still they got pounded by a team they should never. Well, their have. quarterbacks out for. The I year. understand that, and they're still ranked. Well, what if Clemson? What if Clemson beats the team that beat Tennessee? You just don't want to give Clemson any credit whatsoever. No, You're anti-Clemson. That's my lock of the year: South Carolina over Clemson. <laughs> no, it isn't. I ain't kidding. All right, Bob. Ah, we're out of time, Andrew. Thanks for taking some time. You're welcome, Bob. When Anytime your, for you. When does your uh, uh, FanDuel thing come on? Every Sunday, 10 a.m. tomorrow. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 